here on the church's leadership team. And it really is a privilege for me to be able to share with you uh, this morning. Now, I, I know that right now we are celebrating something that's incredibly important as a church. This is something we do every year. We're celebrating, as you obviously know, Mission Sunday. We're celebrating the work of the people that we've partnered with literally around the world. Um, but we're also celebrating at the same time the diversity of all of the different cultures and people groups that God has brought into our church family uh, here at Eastside City Church. It really is a remarkable thing. But one of the things that, that I recognize when we start talking about missions is that I have this tendency, and you can tell me if you relate, to think of missions as something that happens somewhere else, by someone else, somewhere far away. And I know, as a follower of Jesus, that we are called to see the world around us as our mission field, and yet I often sort of separate things into different categories in my mind, and it seems like when it comes to the idea of missions, I think of it as something that is happening far, far away from where I currently am. And in fact, if someone were to ask you, what is it that your church does for missions, I guarantee that the question they're asking is not, what is it that your church does to reach out to the community? Or what is it that, that you do personally in terms of, of serving the people around you and, and doing missions locally? No, when someone asks, you know, what does your church do for missions? What they're thinking about is what does your church do far, far away, overseas? Who are you supporting? What, what other countries are you connected to? And there's certainly nothing wrong with that at all. But I think the tendency in my mind is to sort of categorize things into, into little boxes. You know, I have, my, I have my family life, and I have my friends, and I have my, my work life, you know, and I have my interests or, or my hobbies, and then there's church, and then there's spiritual things, and yet I recognize that when God looks at my life, he doesn't see things in, in these separate little categories. He, he doesn't see missions as something that happens somewhere else by someone else. When God looks at my life, he sees it holistically. He, he sees the integration of all of the things that are a part of my life. And just two weeks ago, I had the privilege of sharing, and I talked about how God uses people to accomplish his will. And I challenged all of us to, to pray a prayer asking God to use us, saying, God, use me. God, use me to, to reach out to the community around me. God, use me to be a blessing to people. God, use me as I serve. God, use me as I pray. God, use me as I participate in the things that you want to do, God. And a big part of that is for us to view ourselves as missionaries, as people that are called to share about Jesus with the world around us. And yet I think for most of us, there's a hesitancy for us to talk about Jesus and share with Jesus with the people in our lives that don't know God or are far from God. And when I ask myself the question, why is it that we hesitate? Why is it that I hesitate? I realize for myself it's because I don't want to be associated with religious people, Christian or otherwise, who are pushy about their faith. I don't want to be connected in any way to those people that hold up giant signs on a street corner somewhere telling the people that walk by them that they're going to hell. I don't want to be associated with people who are arrogant or who are rude and yet claim to be Christians. I don't know how many of you know someone like that. I'm going to be honest, I, I don't like people like that. 
It, it makes my skin crawl. You know, especially when you, you meet somebody and you know that they have a horrible reputation as somebody that's like maybe a jerk, but then they're always talking about God. You're just like, oh my goodness. I mean, it's embarrassing. And, and of course, we all know, we all know some weird religious people. Let's be honest. I mean, you, you might be a weird religious person. Uh, sometimes, anyway. But I, I don't want to be associated with people who are pushy about their faith. I don't want to be associated with people who are, are trying to share their faith with the point of just winning the argument. Not the point of sharing the love of Jesus, but with the point of proving to everyone else around them that they're right. That's not the kind of faith that, that I want to be a part of. And, and I certainly don't want to be labeled, especially at work or among the non-Christian people that I know, as that super weird religious guy. There's a, there's a comedian named Jim Gaffigan. He wrote a book called Dad is Fat. Uh, he's, a, he's a larger man himself. And uh, he says in his book, he says whenever he goes to church, he realizes that there's a lot of crazy people there. And he says, whenever he meets a real nut job, he's always grateful that they go to church because how crazy would they be if they didn't have those rules to follow? <laughs> and maybe you can relate to what I'm saying today. Maybe there's been a part of, of you that's hesitant to share your faith with people. Maybe there's a reluctancy in your own mind to see yourself as someone God has called to the mission field that's literally all around you everywhere you go. Maybe you're like me and, and, and you think of missions as something that happens far away by someone else. And part of it is, is I, I, think it's, I think it's easy for us to feel like it's someone else's responsibility to do missions work. In fact... I think sometimes it's easy for us to feel like once we've gotten our wallet out and we've given money towards missions, now the responsibility is someone else's. Now we've played our part and that's the end of it. Now, I want to say very, very clearly, okay, don't mistake what I'm saying at all. I believe it's important for us to give to missions. I, I believe it's important for us to give because God calls us to give. And especially as a church here, we are partnered with incredible people doing incredible work for God literally around the world. And I want to be a part of that. I want to participate in what they're doing by giving. And I believe it's important for us to give. But I also believe that the one commodity, the commodity that's at least as important as your money is your time. And what I want to, to challenge us all to do today is to see ourselves as people that are called to the mission field. We're called to the mission field all around us each and every day as we go through the everyday, ordinary things that we do in our everyday life. And, and because of this hesitancy that I, I think often we can relate to in terms of, of sharing our faith, we sort of shrink back and, and we don't step out, even if God gives us those opportunities to share, because I think sometimes we're not sure exactly what we're supposed to say. We're, we're scared that maybe that person will ask us some really tough theological question or question about the Bible and we won't have the answer to it. Or, or maybe we're just nervous about being labeled and so we, we shrink back and we don't do it. 
And today I want us to look at a passage of scripture in the Bible that has some incredibly important information for you and I as followers of Jesus, especially in light of what it means for us to share our faith and to be people who are willing to step out and see ourselves as the missionaries that God calls us to be. So I want to encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you have a a smartphone with a Bible app on it, you can turn with me as well. And we're going to be looking at verses 15 and 16. Now, it's important for us to note that when Peter wrote this, and Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, he wrote this book named after him. It was really a letter that he wrote And when he wrote this, this particular passage that we're going to look at, the context of it was he was talking about people who were worried about being criticized or who were going to end up suffering because of their faith in Christ. And what Peter says in these verses, he says, instead of worrying, do this. So let's look at verse 15 here of chapter 3. He says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Now, there's a couple things in here that that I want to highlight for us today. First of all, At the beginning of verse 15, he says, instead of worrying about what might happen if other people find out you're a Christian, instead of worrying about suffering for Jesus, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Now, notice he doesn't say that you must worship Christ or worship Jesus as Lord of your Sunday morning or as Lord of your spiritual life or Lord of any one specific part of your life, but Lord of all your life. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's something that I need to be reminded of on a regular basis. That there should be no part of my life that I keep hidden or separate from God. That there should be no part of my life, if I'm surrendered to him, that I, that I hold back. And I think that requires us as followers of Jesus to ask ourselves some difficult questions at times. You know, am I serving my family the way that God calls me to? Am I walking in integrity in my workplace? If you own your own business, when it comes time to bill your clients, are you doing so with integrity and honesty? When When it comes to your time card at work or even your time management at work, are you walking in integrity? When it comes to the things you think about, when it comes to the things that you look at on your smartphone or on the internet, is there any part of your life where you're holding back from God and where you are not fully submitting to Jesus as the Lord of your life? And he also uses this word worship. Christ as Lord of your life. Now, oftentimes in in a church context, when we talk about worship, what we're referring to is the time when we gather together, usually on a Sunday, and we sing songs to God and about God, and we call that worship. And without question, it is something special happens when we gather together and we worship and we lift up the name of Jesus. But never think for a moment that the worship in your life starts and ends when you walk in the doors of this building and then walk out of it again. 
Because we are called to worship God with every part of who we are, holding nothing back. We're called to live our lives as an act of worship, to give ourselves as an act of worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God who created the world. We are to worship Christ as Lord of every single part of our lives. Now, the second thing I want to highlight for us is this. He says in verse 15 still, and if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a way that's rude, that's aggressive. No, he says, always be ready to explain your Christian hope. Always be ready and to do it in a gentle and respectful way. We are called to always be ready. Always be prepared for that opportunity where God opens the door for us to have those conversations about him. And when we have those conversations, we're not to do it in a way where we are taking what we believe and cramming it down the throats of the people that we're talking to. When you and I share our faith, the goal should not be to win an argument. We're not in an argument about our faith. Our goal should never be to prove to that other person that they're wrong and we're right. Our goal should be to be able to share why we have the hope that we have in Jesus and do so in a way that is gentle and respectful. And if maybe there was a part of you that felt like, well, I'm just not aggressive or bold enough to talk about Jesus all the time, there's good news here. The expectation that God has isn't that you're being forceful about how you're sharing your faith. It's that you're doing so in a way that's gentle and respectful towards the people that you're communicating with. Now that leads us to the question, well, what is it that we're supposed to say when someone asks about this this hope that we have? When God opens the door for those conversations, and let me say this clearly as well, it is God that opens the door for those conversations. You never know what God is already doing in the lives of the people around you. And you may be surprised if you ask God to use you to reach out to the people in your life, how he's already at work in the lives of certain people around you, and you just didn't know it yet. When God opens that door for you to talk about why you believe what you believe, what is it that you're supposed to say? And and in a simple, practical way, I believe that the most important thing that you could say when God opens that door is for you to share your story. To talk about what Jesus has done in your life. For you to be able to say, this is... This is what God has done for me. This is why I believe in Jesus. And and for you to be prepared to do that in in a simple and concise and clear way. Now, as a communicator, one of the things that I strive for, I strive to, to, to communicate clearly. It's one of the things that I aim for. But one of the things that I personally struggle with is being concise. Any of you that have ever asked me a question probably know that because I feel the need to give you the entire backstory to set up the answer to whatever the question is. And I I apologize for any kind of lengthy conversation that you and I might have had because I have difficulty being concise. 
In fact, one of the pastors uh, suggested when I was going over my message with him that at this point I should probably make a joke about my lack of ability to be concise. But when somebody opens that door and asks, you know, why do you believe what you believe? It's important for you to be prepared if you're going to have that opportunity. It's important for you to actually be ready and for you to be able to say in a few short sentences, this is why I believe what I believe. Clear, simple, concise. And if you're taking notes today or you have a a smartphone with you that you can write notes on, I I want you to, to take it out And write this at the top of of one of a a brand new note or on a piece of paper. This is my story. And I want to give you a little bit of homework that maybe later today or tomorrow or sometime this week, you would find some time to just simply write out, this is what God has done in my life. And, And then to simplify that into two or three sentences that you could share at a moment's notice when God opens the door. You know, for, for me, the answer to that question really comes down to uh, these few simple statements. This is, this, is, this is one of the ways that I would respond to that question. You know, I, I grew up going to church, and I've always believed in God. But when I was 17 years old, I hit a major crossroads in my life where I had to choose whether I was going to serve God or not. Now, at that point, the door may close, and the conversation may not continue. But oftentimes, people are like, Well, what happened when you were 17? They want to know. They're interested in why you believe what you believe. And and now this may sound a little bit cheesy. I realize we're talking about the things that God has done in our life. And hopefully if you've met Jesus, when you met him and and as you continue to encounter him and grow in your faith, hopefully Jesus is messing with some stuff in your life and there's all kinds of things that you could share with someone. But I realize to sort of break it down into something simple like this, it does, it does sound a little bit cheesy. But, but let me clarify by saying this, that this is simply a conversation starter. Being prepared and being ready to give an answer is simply a conversation starter and doesn't replace building genuine relationships with people where they know that you care about them, they know that you love them, and they can see that, that you are not simply trying to win that argument or convince them of something where they know that you're actually interested in their life. And it takes time. But let me say this as well. People can spot a fake. People aren't stupid. They can spot a fake. I have a friend who a number of years ago now was at home. He got a knock at the door. There was an older gentleman there. And this gentleman was going door to door talking about what he believed for a religion that will re- remain nameless. And my friend was at a place in his life where he was, he was interested in learning about different faiths. And he was really exploring you know, what it was that he even believed. And so contrary to his natural instinct to say no thank you and shut the door, he actually invited this gentleman in. And they started to have a conversation about life and what they believed about God and all kinds of things. And my friend actually met with this gentleman a couple more times where, where they were talking about this stuff and studying together. And, and then one day my friend had this realization that whenever he asked this gentleman something personal, when, whenever he wanted to talk about you know, what, what his family was like or his interests were like, this gentleman always seemed to redirect the conversation back to the point that he was trying to make that day. And my friend recognized, this guy doesn't really care about me. He's fulfilling some religious obligation that he feels to go out and tell people what he believes and prove that he's right. 
And I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of faith that I want to have. That's not the kind of, uh, of way that I want to share what I believe. I want to be the kind of person that builds those relationships with people and is praying, God, use me. God, show me what you're doing in the lives of the people around me so that when someone asks, why do you believe what you believe, that I'm prepared, I'm ready, and when that door opens, that I'm able to share, this is why I believe what I believe. This is why I've placed my faith in Jesus. This is what God has done in my life. I want to encourage you today that you have a story. And your story is important because it's your story. It's not anybody else's story. It's your story. And sometimes we think, well, my story isn't, my story isn't that interesting. My story isn't, isn't special. And we discount our own story. But the reason that your story is so valuable is because it's your story. It's the story of what God has done in your life. There's a really well-known pastor named Robert Morris. And one day he was talking with his daughter about sharing her faith. And he said, you know, you could probably reach more people than I have. And he's a man who early on in his life made a lot of mistakes. In fact, when he was right first married, he actually had an affair and cheated on his wife. And in response to him saying to his daughter, you know, you could reach more people than I have, she was like, I don't think so, Dad. I have not been as bad as you are. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we think, well, I, you know, I sinned too much, and I, I shouldn't tell my story. Or, on the flip side, I didn't sin enough to have a good story. And I want you to know that whether you were like an awkward homeschooler raised to be a perfect little angel, or whether there was some point in your life where God literally pulled you right out of the pit of hell, or somewhere in between, that your story is important because it's your story. And you have a call on your life to be a missionary. As a follower of Jesus, you are called to see the world around you as a missions field. And to build relationship with people and love on them and serve them and pray that God will open those doors for you to be able to have those faith conversations. And I believe that God is faithful and he will do it. I work in an environment that is uh, often very void of Jesus. And I, I think... Most of us, if, unless you work at a church or some kind of Christian ministry, probably could say the same thing. We work in environments where it seems like the people around us are not interested in God. They don't want to talk about God. And there's all kinds of crazy soap opera type things often happening in their lives. And we can begin to wonder, you know, is there any hope here? And I want you to know that God places you in the specific places you're in for a reason. So that you can be that hope. And in my current job, I've been there now almost three years. And it's just now, after almost three years, that I'm finally able to have some of those God conversations with some of the people I work with. And I realize one of the most important factors in that journey is that I've now, I'm now at the place where I've built up trust and credibility with them. Now, you may be the type of person where you have a gift 
of evangelism and you talk to anybody, anywhere, at any time about Jesus. And if that's you, that is fantastic. All power to you. God bless you. For the 99% of the rest of us that don't have that gift, (laughs) that aren't going to start up a random conversation with somebody at the bus stop or at the library or at the grocery store, it's going to require us to build up credibility and trust with people and to be continuously praying that God will open those doors, that people will ask, why do you believe what you believe? And that we will be ready to share our faith, to share the reason that we have this hope. And that's my prayer for each and every person here today, that on Mission Sunday, that you would walk out the doors of this building knowing that the call on your life is to be a missionary. I want to close by sharing a passage of scripture found in the book of Romans chapter 10. And this is Paul that's writing here in Romans 10. Starting in verse 13, he says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Today, you are being sent. You are being commissioned in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you to be a missionary.